Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Sports Beat on your home of the Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Friday, October the 28th of 2022. My name is Darren Pritchett, broadcasting from Notre Dame's Compton Family Ice Arena, sitting in the upper level of Lefty Smith Rink. Because in about two and a half hours, the Fighting Irish hockey team will open Big Ten Conference play as they will face the Michigan State Spartans. It is the Big Ten opener for both teams. Jim Arizari producing back in our WSBT studios. Hope you're having a terrific Friday. We've got a very nice fall Friday here in South Bend if you're listening outside of our area via WSBTradio.com or the WSBT radio app. We'll have a hockey preview coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. Of course, we'll be focusing on Notre Dame-Syracuse, the football matchup in Upper New York tomorrow. Early start. Let's see how quickly the Irish adjust. They have not had to play that early, so they'll be up and at them at the team hotel probably a whole lot earlier than many of us tomorrow morning but the Irish getting set to take on six and one Syracuse the 16th ranked team of the country and they got to be thinking how in the world are we not seven and zero after having a 21-10 lead in the third quarter at Clemson with the football but they just couldn't put away the Tigers who rallied to win 27 to 21 we will have our normal Friday traditions here on the program the advantage game is coming up in a couple of moments I'll offer some I guess, bold predictions on some of the stats for tomorrow's game. And, of course, a final score 
game prediction. We've got our Twitter question of the day on the way in just a little bit. Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, is going to join me live from Syracuse, New York, at the bottom of this hour. And in the 6 o'clock hour, besides a little Notre Dame hockey talk, I have a massive, and I mean massive, list of suggestions for We Going to Sizzler. I, I joked on Twitter, it's it's a Scott Van Pelt special where I, I think he had 11 this week on his show. I've topped him. I have 13, including two college hockey wager suggestions. So we'll get to that craziness coming up in the 6 o'clock hour. Right now, let's get to our Sports Beat first pitch, which includes our Advantage game. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, after a couple of weeks where the advantage game didn't have a whole lot of drama, although the Stanford game, I guess I should have had more drama in the advantage game, thinking the Irish had most of the advantages, which they did, but it didn't show on the field, losing 16-14. And if you didn't hear, Stanford was down 14-6 at home against Arizona State last Saturday. They ended up kicking five field goals to win 15-14. So they've won 16-14 and 15-14 each of the last two weeks. All right, advantage game today. We'll start when Syracuse runs the football. The Syracuse run offense, 179 yards per game. That's tied for 44th in the country. The Notre Dame run defense, kind of middle of the pack. 131 teams in the country. They're 61st at 139.4. Gave up more than that to UNLV last week somehow, some way. Syracuse has an outstanding two-headed running monster. And it all starts with their quarterback, Garrett Schrader, who is very effective running the football. He's actually became more of a a complete quarterback this year, throwing the football a whole lot better. And then you've got their running back, Sean Tucker, who I guarantee you will have more than five carries against the Irish. That's the carries he had against Clemson. And according to Dino Babers, the head coach of Syracuse, that has been adjusted. We shall see, but I have a feeling that will be the case. In fact, he might have five carries on the first drive of the ball game if it goes well for Syracuse. The Notre Dame run defense gave up big plays to UNLV last week with their backup quarterback and backup running back on the field. I mean, 74, 47-yard runs, those are big, explosive plays. With the way Syracuse has ran the football, I'm giving the Orns the advantage when they run it against the Fighting Irish defense. Now when Syracuse throws the football, Syracuse pass efficiency offense is 14 in the country. Notre Dame's pass efficiency defense is 70. So you're probably thinking, well, I know where he's going with the advantage here. You know what? I'm a little off my rocker today. I think Notre Dame will be okay when Syracuse throws it because they are so limited in the guys they trust to get the football to. It's kind of like Notre Dame looking into the mirror a little bit at times where you have a couple of guys you trust, then it's like, eh, from there. Gadsden, their wide receiver slash tight end, he's 6'5", massive target. He's their main guy. The second best target's their running back, Sean Tucker. Then there's a dip and the level of quality of play. 
Now, the Irish don't make many plays on the football in the air. They're next to last in the country in pass breakups. Of course, they are very limited in creating turnovers, so those are two negatives. But I think the pass rush will get home a couple of times on Schrader. I think they can do some damage to that Syracuse offensive line. So I'm going to give a slight advantage to Notre Dame's defense when Syracuse throws the football. If I'm wrong on that, I'm probably going to be wrong about the outcome of the game. When Notre Dame runs it, they are 47th in the country at 178 yards per game. Syracuse is 39th at 123.3. Irish have been proud to use a three-headed running back rotation. I'm not a fan. I like two personally. Get two guys in a rhythm. Let them go. Has Audric Estime played himself out of a bigger role with three fumbles in the last four games? I think they still believe in him and they know what he can do. Still their number one guy running the football yards per carry at five and a half. So I could see a Diggs Estime combination growing with Tyree being more of a utility guy used in the passing game and a little bit in the running game. Syracuse got ran over by Clemson in the second half for the game well over 200 yards by the Tigers. Syracuse was 13th in the country against the run going into that game, and they fell down to 39th at 123.3. Advantage Notre Dame when they run the football. When Notre Dame throws it, Irish pass efficiency offense 62. Syracuse pass efficiency defense is 19. Hey, I I can't hide the numbers. Notre Dame a 50% passing team the last two weeks. Not all on the quarterback. Let's Make sure that's known. It's easy to blame the quarterback when it's 14 of 28 last week. But a lot of things go into some of those incompletions. Were there missed throws? Were there missed targets wide open? Absolutely. But I'm just saying not all of it is on the quarterback. But Notre Dame still needs better quarterback play. I'm going advantage Syracuse when Notre Dame throws the football tomorrow. Not a big advantage, but a slight advantage. Special teams, everything kind of balances out except... Syracuse has a really good kickoff return game. Trevor Pena is averaging 27.6 yards per kickoff return. That's why I'll give a a little bit of a nod to Syracuse on special teams. Intangibles, I'm going Syracuse because they're really good in the red zone on offense. Notre Dame isn't. They're pretty good in the red zone on defense. Notre Dame isn't. They've got the home field. They've got a sellout crowd. This is a huge game for Syracuse, so I'll give them the intangible tag. But do they win the game? Well, I think Syracuse has the lead at halftime if you're into wagering that type of thing. But the second half's going to be a different story. I've got Notre Dame for the game rushing at 38 times for 178, 4.6 yards per carry with a couple of rushing touchdowns, including one from Audric Estime. I've got Logan Diggs scoring the other, 21 carries for 112. I'll say Diggs goes over 20-plus carries for a second consecutive week. I've got Estime, 8 for 38, and a score. Passing, I've got Pine a little bit better than 50% this week, 17 of 30 for 168. I've got Michael Mayer, 7 receptions for 71 yards. Lorenzo Stiles, I only have him for 2 catches. Got to see him grabbing the football. I know Tommy Reese talked about getting him more involved early in the game. I've talked about that a couple of times this year, but for whatever reason, Notre Dame has not been able to get him off to a fast start. Syracuse rushing it. 
I've got them 34 carries for 155, 4.5 yards per carry with Sean Tucker going over 100 yards. Syracuse passing, Schrader 23 of 35 for 245, a touchdown, and I've got the Irish with a pick in this game. J.D. Bertrand is my leading tackler for the Irish at 10. All right, the odds have changed a little bit this afternoon on this game, so I'm going to update them on my charts. Notre Dame is now a one-and-a-half-point underdog. They were two-and-a-half earlier today. So you can take Syracuse minus one-and-a-half at minus 110, Notre Dame plus one-and-a-half at minus 110. Total points, over-under is 48. Either way you go, it's minus 110. My final score prediction for this game, Notre Dame rallies in the second half and they beat Syracuse 23 to 20 in a very exciting fourth quarter, at least in terms of maybe the lead goes back and forth. I'm gonna say Groupie hits a game-winning field goal inside of two minutes. Irish win 23-20. So that's how I see it. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get to our Twitter question of the day. We've got Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold coming up. More on this matchup on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Okay, Twitter question of the day from yesterday between Clemson and USC, who is Notre Dame more likely to beat? Part two of the question, which of the two do you hope they to beat. The choices were obvious. You could go, you think the best chance of winning is Clemson. You hope they beat Clemson. Then you've got the Clemson-USC combination. USC-USC, USC-Clemson. You know how it's going to work. Okay. Here's the voting. Coming in last, 3.6% of the vote. Clemson is the team that the Irish have the best chance to beat, and they are the team that you hope they beat. So, 3.6% 3.6% want to quiet Dabo Sweeney. I think if what happened a couple of years ago was more recent in our minds, maybe you look at it a little differently, but I can understand because there is a rival that is on the list. Coming in third place in the voting, 23. 30, or excuse me, 23.2% of the vote. You believe that the Irish have a better chance to beat USC, but you hope they beat Clemson. Now, I actually thought that would come in last, so that got a good amount of vote at 23.2%. Coming in second place in the voting at 33.9%. I actually thought this was going to win. Clemson is the team Notre Dame would be more likely to beat. And the team that you want the Irish to beat is USC. Again, that got 33.9. But winning slightly at 39.3% is the team that Notre Dame has the best chance to beat is USC. And the team that you hope they beat is USC. Well, I think Clemson's more gettable than USC. I don't think either team is invincible. I think they're 
There are flaws on both teams that give the Irish a chance, and of course there are flaws that the other team can take advantage of as well. But interesting vote. You feel like that Notre Dame has a better chance to beat USC than Clemson, even though USC's on the road, Clemson is at home. Not surprising, the team you hope they beat is USC. Here is today's question. What outright spread combination will be the end result of Notre Dame against Syracuse? Again, the new line, Notre Dame is favored by a point and a half. So the three choices, Notre Dame wins. Choice number two, Syracuse wins, but Notre Dame covers, which is going to be tough. And the third choice, Syracuse wins, and Syracuse covers. I am posting that question right now as we speak on my Twitter account, at 960SportsBeat, so you'll be able to vote on it during this next commercial break, which will start in seconds because we have Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold Illustrated live from Syracuse coming up next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT continues with more Notre Dame football conversation featuring Blue and Gold Illustrated writer Patrick Engel. 532, Darren Pritchett from Notre Dame's Compton Family Ice Arena. We go to Upper New York, Syracuse University, where Patrick Engel will cover tomorrow's game for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Check out all his work, Tyler Hork and Mike Singer at blueandgold.com. The last time Patrick was on the road, he was in Las Vegas. And having just visited Syracuse for the first time earlier this summer, I can see the comparisons, Patrick, starting to grow between Syracuse and Las Vegas. I mean, I think they probably say up there what happens in Syracuse stays in Syracuse. But I'll say this. It might be the dullest stadium from the outside that I've ever seen, and I have no idea where people park for a game. So I can't wait to get that piece of information from you tomorrow because there's no parking around that campus. From what I gather, the walk from the lot they give us to park for or media parking passes is it's a bit of a walk so i, I think uh i'm in for that same thing uh, to find out tomorrow where yeah uh not a whole lot of parking but yeah i actually just drove by the stadium uh, not too long ago and yeah from the outside it looks a little like the old metrodome which yeah. isn't exactly or wasn't exactly the most aesthetically pleasing thing <laughs> but uh curious to kind of experience that tomorrow now that it's uh you know i imagine something that's going to be sold out and enthusiasm for Syracuse football is probably as high as it's been since that uh, 2018 season. I'm sure like being in Vegas, you'll be walking by casinos. Elton John will be probably performing between uh, your parking spot and the stadium. So you'll be fully entertained just like in Las Vegas. Oh, of course. The, <laughs> the bustling enter- entertainment industry of Central uh, New York. <laughs> well, I appreciate you joining me as you're on the road up in Syracuse. Just want to get a few of your thoughts on this ball game, first I'll say this: I think Notre Dame's got a really good chance to win this game. Now I'm on the side; I think Notre Dame sneaks it out. I know I'm in the minority. I think this is kind of a a coin flip game, and I just wonder what that Clemson game did to the psyche of Syracuse. Because Patrick, watching that game, they should have won the ball game. There was some questionable officiating that went against Syracuse. Now they didn't play well enough anyway. But that didn't help their cause. But the way Clemson ran the football down Syracuse throat, in particular in the second half, has kind of swayed me just a little bit toward the fighting Irish. I'd just like to get 
your reflections on watching a little bit of that Syracuse-Clemson game and, and how that could be maybe a formula for the Notre Dame offense after watching what Clemson did? Yeah, I think that game is why I've been kind of more and more, like, not quite talking myself into the idea of Notre Dame winning this and predicting it. Like, on our stat predictions this morning, I had uh, Syracuse winning narrowly. But just more into the idea that, like, this feels like one Notre Dame really can or even should win. You just don't really know if they're actually going to because we're not, not in the times anymore where these games against ACC teams are games they quote-unquote should win or automatic anymore. And if that were the case, they'd be 5-1. and one. Or if it were the case of Notre Dame having the winning because they had a better roster, they'd be 5-1. and one. But, you know, here they are, they're not. But like you kind of outlined, I don't think the path to Notre Dame winning is particularly hard to draw up or yeah. particularly far-fetched to, to see. I mean, yeah, like you said, the Clemson really ran the ball down Syracuse in the second half, they threw four passes in their last four drives. And yeah, that's excluding the kneel down they did at the end. So a lot of just being able to run it, and that's how you came back. And you know, we've seen that's what Notre Dame has, has leaned on. So I think there will be opportunities there for it. But then again, you can say the same thing about Syracuse, and I'm sure they're kind of thinking the same thing with their All-American running back, uh, looking at a Notre Dame run defense that has sprung some leaks, even if it's you know, kind of shore itself up in the the first two weeks of the year. So they're just kind of pointing to, yeah, like you said, being a one I think is pretty close either way. I think one of the more puzzling parts of this football team is the fact, I think this Notre Dame defense has a lot of talent. And I think you put it well, they spring some leaks from time to time. I'm disappointed UNLV was able to have those two big runs in the game. And they were able to go three for three in the red zone with three touchdowns. And that's kind of where I'm going. I'm just stunned that Notre Dame has allowed the opposition to get inside their 20-yard line 17 times. The opposition has scored 17 times, including 14 touchdowns. In goal-to-goal situations, they have had no luck stopping the opposition. Only Rutgers has fall into that category of not being able to stop a team from scoring in the red zone this year. How puzzling is that to you? And it feels like it's something that can be fixed, but wow, we're already halfway into the season. Yeah, it is weird when you consider uh, the fact that those 17 opponent trips in the red zone is tied for 14th nationally, like best. Like only 14 teams are allowing fewer trips in the red zone, ironically tied with Marshall. And, you would think a team that can keep you from getting inside the 20 won't just, kind of, you know, easy resistance pass once you do get inside the 20, but that's really what it's been. Like the last nine opponent red zone drives have been touchdowns, and every single goal-to-go drive or that Notre Dame has – or goal-to-go situation that Notre Dame has faced this year has turned into a touchdown. But even in those, it's not like it's first and goal and they're walking in. It's – there's only been one first, like first and goal touchdown allowed on those twelve golden goes. Like a, a lot more, a lot of the times they're getting to third down, getting to yeah. fourth down, even like we saw uh, last week, and just not quite able to finish it. And I think in some ways it just kind of relates to like it's a good defense where you know it's not full of missed assignments and things, but it's just kind of shy on like 
impact where like which case in point turnovers like you're only having three of those or mm-hmm. passes defended not really getting hands on the football a whole lot when it's when it's thrown uh doesn't have a sack in the red zone this year which the sack numbers on the whole are, are pretty good but just kind of something that has dried up there and even though they had about three shots at a UNLV quarterback Harrison Bailey last week had a fourth and two down there yeah so it's I think it's just kind of that same thing of like doing the really impactful things not quite at the level that they do everything else at I think just kind of shows up in that uh, that red zone area and just where you're not able to provide enough resistance. I mean, there's been a couple of play calls that Al Golden himself has said he wanted to have back, and yep. and I think that's that's fair. But I also think it comes down to just a few missed opportunities, like last week that you saw against UNLV, or just not being able to come up with a it, it, it's first and goal from the eight, and you get a three yard loss on a running play, or it's second and goal from the the six, and you get a sack and you push them way back to third and 12, and now you're forcing a field goal. Like, I, just those kinds of splashy plays, uh, I think, are, are what, what's been missing down there when Notre Dame's in red zone defense. He is Patrick Engel. He covers Notre Dame football for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He's live up in Syracuse on this Friday evening. Patrick, I know it's very easy for fans, in particular the ones that, sit at a keyboard and offer their opinions on Twitter or message boards to simply say when they talk about the Notre Dame offense that Tommy Reese, the coordinator, needs to be fired or he's terrible at his job. It's really easy to sit there and do that. And you look at the offensive numbers this year, they're not nearly as good as you want them to be or maybe they could be at this particular time. Red zone offense again is an issue here in South Bend after it was a little better last year. It's kind of went back to Tommy's first year in terms of efficiency. So for those people that just simply Tommy Reese is the problem, which I don't believe is the case now. Is the play calling perfect from my standpoint? No, but it's a very difficult job. I do understand that. There's a lot that goes into it. I don't understand some of the personnel decisions and the route trees at times seem too basic for me. But as you look at the Notre Dame offense, let's take Tommy Reese out of the equation for a second. Do you, do you see a couple of parts of the offense, if it can do this, or if there's a quick fix to make everything look a whole lot better? Yes and no, where it's as simple as, well, we've seen Drew Pine play well in this same structure, saw two games of it. So it's really just, can you get that out of him and then we we've seen what that looks like when it's combined with running the ball well which Notre Dame has largely done since the first two games but it's just a matter of like which Drew Pine are you getting and I mean it, it's it kind of goes both ways it's like you know which comes first chicken or the egg like uh, no one can make a coordinator look better than our quarterback but you know a, 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 co- a coordinator still can help a quarterback out too. So it's like, you know, yes. both kind of go hand in hand and, and complement each other. And I, I certainly think that's absolutely the, the case here where there are plays where uh, there are calls that Reese wants back or a, a call that was just probably not uh, the right move in hindsight in that situation. But there are calls that worked against in this certain spot against the certain coverage that where it's just, you know, there was a drop or the throw's got to be hit or there was a, a leak in protection or whatever it might have been where – uh, that kind of stuff can make a coordinator look worse. And it's not, it, this isn't a defensive, like, oh, they're, you know, 
Reese has done nothing wrong, where it's like, right. no, I think every kind of area you look, there are spots where it's like, well, this isn't quite where it needs to be, or this isn't working, or the personnel here is, you know, not where you want it to be if you want to go where Notre Dame wants to go. So, but really, I think it's just, you know, how much of Drew Pine can you get as close to possible uh, to those uh, BYU and, and North Carolina performances, and, and really, I, I think that's it, because, you know, you're, you're seeing some throws that are drops and where he's making them, but they're throws that he's missed the last two weeks that he made then, and it's just all right, how how close can you can you get to that? And it's kind of an interesting uh, stat here. And his season average completion percentage is just under sixty four percent. He has not finished a game this year in the sixties. It's either been seventy or above, or low fifties or lower. So it's been pretty volatile. And I think just finding some kind of consistency there that you know is closer to the, that good version of him instead of well, maybe he's just consistently in that 50% range, and then and, and that's going to you know, make it hard to score some points. Yeah, my big concern is he's had a lot of clean pockets the last two weeks, and he's right around the 50% mark in completion percentage, so we'll see if Syracuse can get any pressure on him. So I did some research this week, Patrick, and I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the Irish run game. Notre Dame has ran for 200 yards in three of the last four games, and they have done it against these teams and their national ranking. Carolina's 111 in run defense, BYU 117, Stanford 112, UNLV 98. The next five opponents in run defense, Syracuse 39, Clemson 7, Navy eh, 13, BC 71, USC 76. Are you confident the run game is fixed and it doesn't have as much to do with the opponents that this team can run it against just about anybody? What is your thoughts on the Irish run game? And I think it's kind of like what Marcus Freeman said about Notre Dame overall, where we'll really find out what they are the next couple of weeks and really kind of that'll set the course for what this season is or where it goes in November. I think it's a little bit of the same with the, the run game too, where these next two weeks are – kind of a test of, you know, I don't want to take anything away from you know, the past five games uh, at all here, but uh, it, this is, these next two, and particularly Clemson, are a level of, they haven't really seen since uh, Ohio State, at least as far as, like, sturdiness and stoutness of, of run defense. But Syracuse decided the, the national ranking, but one I think that still has some holes in, just given how Clemson was able to kind of to go at them and, considering maybe some of the teams they've faced that haven't had great run games, like Purdue, we know them as a team that likes to throw it. Wagner, an FCS team, which is going to be kind of overmatched in general. Virginia, just not really doing much of anything on offense overall. NC State, uh, playing with a backup QB that was a pretty you know, average run game, even when you know he was in there. So uh, I think they probably haven't seen a running game kind of rolling like Notre Dame's has the last five games until they played Clemson last week. So I think it's pretty fair to expect and thinking that Notre Dame is going to go into this confident that it can and it will run the ball. But, yeah, Clemson being the kind of the big look ahead there. But at the same time, you don't want to just throw away uh, the past five games here and, and all the games where they ran for 200 yards as nothing if they don't run it how they want to next week just because they played Marshall – and didn't run it as well. So it's not like, you know, there's there's clear progress from there to uh, in the past five games. Because when, when it doesn't work against a, a Sun Belt team and you get it going against, you know, 
maybe not great defenses, but still power five defenses, uh, it still counts for, for something. But just how much, I think we'll find out over the next two weekends. One final question for you, Patrick, and I don't want to steal too much from a story you put up today because I want people to check it out at blueandgold.com. But we all in the media spend time looking at statistics, national rankings. We can find out about anything you want offensively and defensively. But sometimes special teams numbers are hard to find. I mean, really how good a special team unit is. I think you did a deep dive today a little bit on special teams. And I'm not sure what the national ranking is. I haven't read the story yet. But it seems like Notre Dame, when you bunch their special teams together, it's an elite bunch. Absolutely. I mean, they're they're ranked eighth in the Primo Efficiency Index uh, special teams ratings and basically measuring just how much of a, a bonus or added, you know, effectiveness of your, what your special teams are giving you uh, on a, like, over a game. And, yeah, that's you – know, if you're in the top ten there, you're obviously pretty good. And, and the high of the Brian Pulliam area era was a 28th, which – I don't think anyone was kind of clamoring that, oh, you know, Notre Dame special teams are bad under Brian Pullian or anything. Like, it was a pretty consistently reliable unit that didn't really commit any gaps or anything like that. But mm-hmm. I think maybe there was a little bit of a desire for just splashier impact plays, which, you know, outside of Chris Tyree's kick return last year, you didn't get a whole lot of. But, yeah, now, I mean, this year, Notre Dame's matched the Pullian era total in, in block punts. Uh, it's opponent punting average is under 40 yards. It's uh, John Sott. He's on pace to be the uh, highest, uh, like, just net punt average uh, in a good while here. So just all around, I mean, you think of punt block being the big thing because it it has been, and just those plays can swing a game as as much as anything else. But really, when you look up and down at all the entire special teams – areas they've been pretty effective i think you maybe still want to see a little bit more on on kick return where uh, that was not exactly a, a strength and kind of hurt him against ohio state where it started twice i believe it was inside the 15 yard line definitely way inside the, the 20 yard line there but and then the one long punt return against byu but otherwise just a, a really unit that feels like it's kind of become a weapon as opposed to a it'll never lose you a game but rarely is it going to like really swing it in your favor by affecting the game. And now we've seen it with an offense that uh, has not exactly been consistent or won't exactly show up in the top half of a lot of these national rankings. That's a big deal when you're giving those guys an extra few yards of field position or average starting field position is really good just because, you know, there's less margin for error. You have uh, just got to go less further to get, to get points. So, and we saw that last week. That was not exactly a, efficient Notre Dame offense, at least through the air, or at least in like finishing drives that got inside the 40 or got inside the red zone. But one that still scored a lot of points despite that because of where they started all those drives. I mean, the average starting field position was the only 46-yard line. So you saw last week, I think, just how much of an impact Notre Dame special teams can uh, have on a game. Patrick, over the next 24 hours, what should subscribers expect at blueandgold.com? Yeah, you can go there right now and you'll find our usual Friday content, my usual Friday column, on my colleague Tyler Horka's usually usual Friday mailbag. Uh, we've got our stack predictions uh, up there. And then uh, all throughout uh, tomorrow afternoon and, and into evening, you'll, you'll find all our post game, my five thoughts, my column, Tyler's report card, 
Uh, you'll get our live show on YouTube with Mike Singer and Tim Hyde uh, later in the afternoon there. Very good. He's Patrick Engel up in Syracuse, ready to cover the Irish and the Orange for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Of course, check out the work at blueandgold.com. Thank you for the visit, Patrick. Greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the ball game tomorrow and safe travels back to South Bend. Appreciate it, Darren. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you so much. He is Patrick Engel. He'll be in the press box at what used to be known as the Carrier Dome tomorrow, Notre Dame and Syracuse, a noon kick here on WSBT Radio, a replay of the Marcus Freeman Show at 6 a.m., game day presented by Legacy Heating and Air with Tim Growl and Jim Irizarry. They've got their guest list ready to go for that 7-9 show. Tyler Horka and I with game day sports speed powered by Michelob Ultra from 9 to 11, kickoff at noon, and then Jim and Reggie Brooks with the official Notre Dame football postgame show after the game right here on 960 AM WSBT. The My 5 is next, 551 at WSBT. One question, five answers. This is the My 5 Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Sports Beat continues, 556, as I broadcast from the Compton Family Ice Arena. We've got the Irish and the Spartans in the Big Ten Conference opener tonight, 735 on our sister station. That is Quality Rock 94.3. Well, today's my five. The top five ways that Notre Dame and Syracuse will play out tomorrow, this contest between these two squads that played quite a bit through the years. I'm going to try to be a little specific on these, so... Let's get started with the top five ways that the Notre Dame-Syracuse game will play out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. I think both running games will be pretty good tomorrow. I don't think it'll be a defining part of the game. I think whichever team throws it a little bit better is going to probably win this ball game. I think both run games will be fine. I don't think they'll be going for 200 yards, but I think it'll be a solid day, over four yards to carry for both sides. Four! Well, I'm going to say Drew Pine goes back over 50% throwing the football tomorrow. My guest, Patrick Engel from Blue and Gold, a couple of moments ago referenced that Pine has either been in the 70s or the 50s throwing the football. He's not been in the 60s so far this year, so I'll say that that will continue in tomorrow's game. I had him 17 for 30. For me, the key for Drew Pine is try to keep him ahead of the sticks. And when you have that third down in five, third down in seven, how many of those can Pine convert into first downs by throwing the football? He knows he's got Michael Mayer. When Chris Tyree is a part of the equation, pretty reliable outside of that drop against BYU, which it seems like he hasn't got the ball much since then. Thomas has had his moments, but then gets quiet. Styles has had some drops, so I worry about help for Pine. So I'm going to keep him just a little over 50%, but he's just going to have to find a way to complete some of those third and five, third and sevens, or maybe at times just run for that marker and try to pick up the first down himself. Okay, okay, uh, number three. 
Well, I know Marcus Freeman and the Irish pride themselves on what they call this three-headed running back monster that they have used most of the year. Audric Estime fumbled his way out of that three-headed monster last week against UNLV. Again, I think he gets back into the rotation. But I think this coaching staff is really, really high on Logan Diggs. When Estime fumbled last week, they put Diggs in, and they gave it to him 28 times, which is not a number any of us thought would happen this year with this three-headed monster that the Irish love to showcase each and every week. So I'm going to say Diggs will go over 20 carries again in this ballgame, and for a second straight game, he will go over 100 rushing yards. Number two. Well, number two is I think the Irish defense will slightly outplay the Syracuse defense. I think this is going to be a really tight football game that comes down to the closing moments of this particular contest. I think the Irish defense will come up with a key turnover in this game. I think they're going to pick off Schrader in the second half, setting up a short field for the offense, which the offense obviously could use that type of boost. And I think Notre Dame will be able to be okay against Syracuse run. I think Syracuse defense got battered a little bit by Clemson last week with their ability to run it in the second half. I hope the Irish can stay disciplined and stick with that running game. And if it's going well, don't stop until they stop you. You don't have to throw the football if you don't want to. But I think this Notre Dame defense is going to be okay tomorrow. Just limit those explosive plays, and I think they will get out of dodge with a victory. Number one. And I'll go ahead and say it again. I've got the Irish winning a close contest. I think Groupie puts them ahead with a late field goal. I've got Notre Dame upsetting Syracuse 23-20. to All right, that's the My 5 for today. Coming up in a couple of moments, a preview of Notre Dame hockey. A probably insane. We go into Sizzler Sports wagering segment coming up with 13 picks, including my first two ever college hockey selections, thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, which offers you the opportunity to wager on college hockey games. If you, if they let you wager on darts, why not college hockey, right? So we'll do that coming up in a little bit. But we've got a Sports Center update coming up from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I love that hockey music. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. On your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett from the Compton Family Ice Arena. Well, we've got some college hockey tonight. Big Ten opener for Notre Dame and Michigan State. We play tonight at 7.35. Once again, tomorrow at 6 o'clock, both games on our sister station, Quality Rock, 94.3 FM. Tonight's sports beat being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame, 
since 1949. We're also brought to you by Tim Growl State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt own shop where new beginnings have happy endings. And by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Sports wagering talk coming up in our next segment right now. A couple of thoughts on this Notre Dame hockey team ready to venture forward into Big Ten conference play. The Fighting Irish are 3-2-1 on the season. Last weekend, a really solid 60-minute performance, shutting out number 17, Western Michigan, 2-0 here at the Compton. The Fighting Irish did a terrific job defensively in that game, limiting the quality scoring chances by a really talented Bronco hockey team. And Ryan Bischel stopped all the shots that he faced, 30 of those in that matchup last Friday here at the Compton Family Ice Arena. Even though Notre Dame went 0 for 3 on the power play last Friday, they had nine shots and the puck was zooming around. Quality chances just didn't score. So that was by far their best 60-minute effort of the young season. Then we got to Saturday where we went to Kalamazoo to take on Western Michigan, and that game kind of played out totally differently. I thought Western Michigan did a really good job of acquiring pucks in their defensive zone, being dumped in by the Irish, and they got the puck out extremely quickly. They got it out of harm's way and actually led to some transition hockey at times against the Fighting Irish. It was one of those days where I don't think Notre Dame did a very good job of grabbing those loose pucks or winning puck battles along the boards. I know there's really not any way to quantify that type of action. There's not stats that are made public at least to show how teams do winning those battles. Now, I'm sure individual teams break down those type of things, but I don't have access to those if they are even available. But Notre Dame just did not win enough battles along the boards. And let me tell you, it's awfully hard to win hockey games when you're losing face-off draws and you're not winning puck battles along the boards. And that's what happened as Western Michigan beat the Irish 4-0 last Saturday. What was frustrating, Western Michigan scored twice, about two and a half minutes apart in the first period. And the goal score both times was a defenseman for Western Michigan who was playing in his 61st career game, and he had never scored a goal in his collegiate career, and he scores twice against the Irish, two and a half minutes apart. Uh, Notre Dame got nothing going really offensively. There never was, at least from my standpoint, a feeling that Notre Dame was going to rally in that hockey game. Western had full control. Notre Dame just did not. Had They didn't have the ability, I would say, in that game to match what they did the previous night. So that was a letdown. It's always a tough place to play up in Kalamazoo. But that was not Notre Dame's best effort. That kind of fell into what we saw the first weekend when they lost to Denver and tied Air Force after trailing 5-1 
going to the third period. So now bounce back moment for Notre Dame tonight as they take on a Michigan State team with a brand new head coach, Adam Nightingale. This is a Michigan State team that has been down for a good number of years. It is a hockey program with a great tradition, winning three national championships. But this program has been down for a good amount of time. Apparently they are recruiting extremely well right now, so that's something for Michigan State fans to look forward to. They've renovated Mon Ice Arena. I know Tom Izzo, the basketball coach, was one of the individuals who donated money to renovate the hockey arena up in East Lansing, which is very near the Breslin Center and Spartan Stadium. So things look to be going up right now for this Michigan State program. And Michigan State's already played a ranked UMass Lowell team this year. That was a series in East Lansing. Michigan State won the first game 4-3, lost to Tightwin 3-2 the second night of that series. And then last weekend, they played a program in its second year playing Division I hockey, Long Island University, and the Spartans easily won 3-1 and 8-4. That was a, a wild game last weekend for Michigan State, putting up eight goals against Long Island. In fact, they're top line of Russell, Joshua, and Dorwart had 13 total points in those two games against Long Island. So for Notre Dame, they're going to have to find a little more offense. That was my concern coming into the year. There are times this group, they go through those droughts, and we went through that drought late last year in the postseason, made it to the regional final, but lost to Minnesota State 1-0 after beating North Dakota 2-1. In overtime, where's the offense going to come from? Ryder Ralston's a top option. Junior right wing leads the team with three goals and six points. You've got South Bend native Landon Slaggart, the junior draft pick of the Blackhawks, still looking for his first goal. No goals through six games. He has two assists on the young season. And I'm hoping that there's going to be kind of a kick-starting of what was last year's on paper, the fourth line but they sure didn't play like it. Two of the three members are together tonight, Hunter Strand and Jack Adams. Strand, a very talented sophomore, no points through six games. The grad student Adams has just two assists through six games. They moved Justin Janicki off that line tonight, and it'll be Strand, Adams, and senior Jesse Lansdell working together. Notre Dame trying to overcome the loss of Grant Silinoff. He is going to be... Out once again tonight. He's listed as day-to-day, but that was a a young man who was playing some really good hockey early on in the season. And Notre Dame last weekend got Nick Lieberman back in the lineup, their captain, after missing the first four games of the year with an upper body injury. Lieberman came back and scored on Friday. So we've got the Spartans and the Irish tonight, and we'll have pregame right around 7 15 on Quality Rock, 94.3 FM, and on the Notre Dame Radio Network, opening face-off set for 7.35. We'll take a break. When I return, I don't know what's going to come of this, but we've got 13 picks in our We Going to Sizzler segment. We'll talk some sports wagering next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. 
Darren Pritchett back at Notre Dame. Sports wagering time here on the program. Last night, another two and two nights. The losing wagers. Man, I went back and forth, and of course, I picked the wrong side. Tampa Bay minus one. I gave Tom Brady one more chance, and he failed me. And I went under 45 and a half points, which was looking good until the closing seconds of the game when it went over 49. The two wins, I had the Hawks plus one and a half at home against the Oilers. Edmonton won 6-5, but with the help of that one and a half, that was a winning wager. And going back to last Friday, when I actually picked this game accidentally thinking it was going to be on Saturday and it wasn't, I took Washington State plus seven against Utah, and Washington State only lost by four. So two and two last night, seven and nine for the week, 39 and 43 for the season, but for the year, right now we are 20 games, make that 21 games over 500. Now to the largest, wildest, and probably worst we going to Sizzler sports wagering segment as I have eight college football games, three NFL games, and two college hockey games to come up with suggestions. So here we go on our segment. All right, we've got Notre Dame and Syracuse. As I mentioned earlier in the program, this particular line has moved this afternoon. Notre Dame was getting two and a half points this morning. It's now down to one and a half. You know what? I don't think we need those points, but we'll take them. I'll take the Irish plus one and a half at minus 110. Now, as someone that grew up in Illinois and has watched Fighting Illini football disintegrate the last couple of decades, I'm a proud fan of a 6-1 and football team, which is going to Lincoln, Nebraska tomorrow to try to keep their hopes of winning the Big Ten West alive. With that being said, it pains me. I think Illinois maybe still wins, but I think Nebraska plus seven and a half is the play. They're still playing hard at home. They're scoring a lot of points. So I think that Nebraska is going to cover. I'm hoping Illinois wins maybe by three, something like that. But I think this is Illinois' toughest game, even tougher than taking on Purdue and Champaign later on this year. So I will take Nebraska plus seven and a half, but Illinois wins the game outright. Also, Kentucky getting 12 and a half in Knoxville against Tennessee. The public is all over Tennessee in this football game. I'm hoping Kentucky's running game can at least limit some of the possessions in the ball game. So I'm actually going to go Kentucky plus 12 and a half against a volunteer team that two weeks ago knocked off Alabama. Next up, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Well, Oklahoma State, since 2018, they are 15-2 against the spread when they are the underdog. Why not ride that wave? Oklahoma State plus one and a half at Kansas State. Michigan and Michigan State squaring off in Ann Arbor. Michigan favored by 23. That's a lot of points. The heck with it. Let's go with the Wolverines. Michigan State looks very harmless. I think Michigan runs all over Michigan State. So I'll roll the dice and go Michigan minus 23. I hate to give up that many points in a rivalry game, but what has Michigan State shown us to think otherwise? Ohio State at Penn State. It's not at night. I like that fact. It's a noon kickoff. 
Ohio State favored by now 14 and a half. I'm going to lay those points, and I'll take the Buckeyes. Central Florida and Cincinnati, it's a pick'em game. I'm going with the team that has a quarterback by the name of John Rise Plumley and a kicker with a great name, Colton Boomer. Got to go Central Florida. Gus Malzahn to beat Cincinnati at home in a pick'em game. And my final college football pick, A&M's a disaster. I guess Paul Feinbaum passed along the news today that Texas A&M's head coach, Jimbo Fisher, did not show up for his meeting with the TV broadcasters from the SEC network. Sometimes it is canceled and rescheduled. He just canceled it and didn't go. A&M has suspended some of their freshman players who got, quote-unquote, some help in choosing Texas A&M. A&M's a mess right now, and the game is in College Station, but I'm just going to go Ole Miss based on the fact A&M, they could do anything tomorrow, and laying an egg is probably high on the list. So I'll go Ole Miss minus one and a half at Texas A&M. I've got three NFL picks. Cardinals coming off a bye are really good. Minnesota coming off a bye, not very good. Cardinals play well on the road. Let's go with the Big Red, plus three and a half at Minnesota. Derrick Henry has run over the Texans in the last few meetings. I'm going to go just Titans on the money line at minus 145 at Houston. And my third NFL pick, don't call me crazy, at least for this, I think the Lions come out and play a great game tomorrow. I think it's going to be one of those 38-35 type games. I hope it's a three-point game because at home, I'm taking the Lions and the points plus three and a half against Miami. It's not like the Dolphins' offense was rip-roaring good against the Steelers in their Sunday night contest. Got off to a good start, then they really stalled. So I'll go Lions plus three and a half, and for the first time ever, We have a couple of college hockey suggestions using DraftKings Sportsbook. My first one, Western Michigan and Michigan playing at Yost Ice Arena in Ann Arbor. I think there's going to be some goals scored in this game. I'm going Broncos Wolverines over six and a half total goals at minus 110. And my final suggestion of the night, Notre Dame and Michigan State playing here at the Compton. The over-under for goals between the two teams is five and a half. How about this stat? In 13 of the last 15 meetings between Notre Dame and Michigan State, the total goals in the game were five or under, including last year the totals were five, one, three, and six. So based on history, my suggestion is Notre Dame, Michigan State under five and a half goals tonight. So there you go. This could be an absolute disaster, but maybe I can sneak over 500 for the month of October. Right now I'm 39 and 43, so with 13 picks, I'm either going to go deeper in the hole or get out of the hole. We'll see what happens. All right, 6.32 is our time. I'm going to sign off. Jimmy Rosario is going to take you the rest of the way because we've got Irish hockey to get ready for on our sister station, 94.3 FM pregame tonight at 
15. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 9 to 11, game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 